Takeaways from Pat Riley's press conference and previewing the Miami Heat season with Rowan Nodkerney of Sports Illustrated. All that and more coming up next. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David O'Mill, the host of Locked On Heat, the longest-running podcast covering your Miami Heat. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. And remember that every episode is always free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. So make sure you subscribe and follow to get the best coverage available. I'm here with a good friend of the podcast, Mr. Rowan Nodkarnia, Sports Illustrated. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, David. It feels uh, really, really good to be back here talking about the Miami Heat. Um, I know it's been a long time, so I'm very excited about this. Thank you, as always, for giving me the platform, inviting me on the show. Uh, I'm very excited. Oh, you're you're a friend of the podcast, and uh, <laughs> you're you know one of the best writers out there. How could I not get your takes here? Even though in reality, I tried to get Michael Pina first, and you or you know he wasn't available. <laughs> Listen, I I totally get it. I would have done the same if I were you. Well, only because Pina had two heat players on his awards predictions board. Uh, you only had one. So we'll talk about that. Well, let's get into it because he, he had Bam Bravio as a defensive player of the year, but he also had Tyler Hero as sixth man of the year. You did not have Tyler ranked that high. I think he gave it to Jordan Clarkson, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> That's so. correct. I think Pina's just sandbagging because he knows deep down he doesn't want any of that to happen. He's just trying to cover all his bases. I wouldn't trust him personally. Yeah, he is. He's not much of a Celtics fan. Sometimes he comes across as pretty heat centric, though. It's certainly Bam. I mean, he loves Bam. I know he had a great fight. Nah, nah, he's, he's, you don't, th- you don't he's buy lying it? All, if, oh, he's completely full of it. Really? I don't trust it for a second. All right. Um, he's just, yeah, he's sandbagging, dude. I don't trust him. <laughs> so which of those do you think is most likely to happen? I mean, obviously, you predicted Bam as defensive player of the year. You can make a strong case for that. But of those of those two award selections, what do you think is most likely? I like Bam way more there, David. Uh, I just, I, I like Hero, and I obviously had a great preseason, uh, scoring wise, etc. To me, that's just a, that's a competitive feel for that award. Uh, you know, I wrote about this in the predictions, but it really is like voters. Also, it always comes down to like, you know, it's just easy to give it to Clarkson if he has another good season. Like right. a lot of those times, uh, the winner of that award wins multiple. I do think Hero is going to be very good, but I, I just need to see it in practice. You know, I'm sure we'll get into it on this podcast as we talk about this whole Heat team and expectations for this season, et cetera. But I, I need to – I'm curious to see how it works during the regular season because I have some questions about the Heat bench. And if Tyler's being asked to carry some of these lineups, I think it could get difficult. I'm curious how much he is going to actually be closing games because I don't know that they can have Duncan and him out there uh, at the end of games, although that's a little bit easier to do in the regular season. So uh, I think he's going to have a good year. I think he's going to have a bounce back year. The, all of this is to say I'm not knocking on Hero. Winning that award would be great, but he can still have a great season if he doesn't win that award. I just think there'll be a little bit of the voter fatigue for Clarkson, especially when he almost had to share the award with Joe Ingles. It's kind of hard to vote for the sixth man when he's not even the sixth man of that team. He might not even be the best bench player on that team. That that honor befalls to uh, to to Joe there. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just I'm a believer in Tyler. You said bounce back here. And I, I know you watch the Heat regularly. You are national media, obviously, but you don't have that same perspective. You, you're from South Florida. You, you watch the team all the time. You've covered the team religiously for years. I just, do you really think he had a bad year or was it just slightly underwhelming? It's, it's less about him having a bad year and more about, and 
and I think it's actually ins- instructive in that I think people expected him to for his progress to be linear, right? And he's right. coming off this incredible run that he had in the bubble. And I think obviously if you compare the season he had to that, you know, he didn't take that kind of quantifiable step up, whether it was statistically or, you know, in this field, it looked like he got markedly better. Right. I think that he was in a tough position because he started the year kind of playing backup point guard. That didn't work. Uh, that's right. not the role for him. And then the whole kind of season went off the rails for this team as it did for many teams with COVID, you know, obviously had that crazy injury stretch where they only had like seven guys healthy. So, you know, it was an up and down season for him, for everyone. I think it'll help him to have a quote unquote normal NBA season. This is going to be his, his first one where he's, you know, going into a training camp with kind of an entrenched position uh, looking ahead to a normal season. So I, I think that he's going to be better in the way that a lot of players are going to be better, but it's not that he had an awful season last year, but I don't think that he took that kind of step up. A lot of people expected him to take. Okay, that's fair. But you've seen the preseason games. You've seen his scoring. I have not. I've literally not watched a single second of Miami preseason basketball. You have to draw the line somewhere. No, that's fine. Yeah, I just want to say. Yeah, you don't want to lean into preseason too much. I I don't want to lean into preseason for even a second. I respect all the people watching it, uh, you know, covering it. Although on one hand, I do think it just only enables it. But uh, let, let me tell you how much stock I put into the preseason. I watched literally zero seconds of Miami Heat preseason basketball. Okay. Well, Tyler did look good. I, and I will say <laughs> that. I mean, no, really. I mean, you, we heard all summer about him putting on weight and muscle watch being what it is around the NBA. I find myself a little skeptical. I've seen him in person. He does look slightly more muscular than he did as a rookie, as a 19 year old child out of Wisconsin. It wasn't like he exactly, you know, came into, into the league with one of those fees. He wasn't Stanley Johnson, right? A guy who looked like he was overly developed before he even entered on an NBA floor here. But uh, for Tyler, he does look a little bit more sturdy, I guess you could probably say. And a lot of people are leaning into that and saying, well, here he, you know, we can see an, a market improvement that he's able to absorb contact. He's still not able to create space as well as he, as he did, or you no, know, as, as well as we'd like for him probably. But his shooting looks consistent. He certainly has a confidence. We heard Pat Riley talking about that in today's press conference about the workaholic nature of Tyler Hero. I mean, he's a, certainly a significant part of what Miami is looking to accomplish. And and I think representative of their you know greatest weakness in the bench overall, but he could represent a great strength in that regard. You mentioned before that you had concerns about the depth. I mean, if you want to get into more Tyler talk, we can. But what are your concerns about the bench in general? I mean, they're just relying on a lot of guys who at this point in their career have not been regular NBA rotation players. They've had spurts at it, but for various reasons, they haven't stuck around. Uh, There's going to be a big burden, I think, on Gabe Vincent as the backup point guard of this team. I mean, losing Dragic was one thing. As much as we had our concerns about Kendrick Nunn in the playoffs, he was an innings eater during the regular season that they no longer have. Uh, That's a big role for Gabe Vincent to step into. I think you're looking at guys like Opala and Struess are going to have to play a big role on the wing here. I mean, if there's a Jimmy injury, I don't know what happens to this team. If there's a Lowry injury, their guard depth is basically gone. I mean, is Hero the backup point guard again in that scenario? You have to account for these things during the regular season. Then you look at the four spot. I think it's, it's a little bit less of a question mark than it was last season after losing Jay Crowder, but it's not a home run uh, with what they have. I think that PJ Tucker, uh, it's been a long time. I think I wouldn't say I shouldn't say it's been a long time, but I think expecting him to play over 30 minutes a night during the regular season 
is asking too much of him at this stage in his career. So then who else is going to be playing the four spot? Uh, you know, Markeith Morris, I think at this point, looks better like a center than a power forward. Are you going to play Markeith next to Deadman or Bam? I, I don't know if you'd like those looks too much. So now you're asking Okpala. I know that people are really high on Struess uh, after his summer league performance. Let me tell sure. you, I also didn't watch a second of Struess <laughs> in the summer league. So it, there's going to be, I think, a lot of uh, pressure on the heat bench. And maybe, you know, out of those three guys, Okpala, Struess, and Vincent, someone steps up and kind of takes that that next leap in their career. But it's asking for something from those guys that we haven't seen yet because you have Udonis taking up a roster spot. I love Udonis. I'll never have an issue with that. Oladipo is really the swing piece for this team. If he's healthy by next month or by Christmas or something like that, I mean, we have no idea really when he's going to be healthy, but anything he can give them on this bench, I think at some point they're going to need it because right now I think the depth is a gigantic question mark. You know, I'm listening to you talk and I'm like feeling myself, I'm thinking to myself, man, I've made a huge mistake because I always forget that as much as you might be rooted in heat fandom, you always bring a very balanced perspective here. Something, <laughs> something I've been accused of myself. So it's kind of welcome. But you, you, I mean, you have a very real approach to this. I was hoping that you'd be much more gung ho about this heat season. <laughs> but I remember I, you yeah. were a dash of cold. You were you were the cold water last year to kind of awaken everybody up when you predicted that the Miami Heat would lose to Milwaukee, and and you proved to be correct. So I mean, you always have a pretty balanced take about this team. For sure. I, I mean, at some point, you just got to look at the facts. I mean, you add up the minutes that Markeith Morris and P.J. Tucker averaged last season for their respective teams. Right. It did not add up to 48 minutes a game, and there was a reason for that. Um, I, I just look at the starting five looks nice on paper, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's still, I think, going to be ultimately some questions um, in the playoffs. I mean, maybe Jimmy slots down to four and they get stuff from Oladipo or – uh, it's just going to be very interesting, and I'm, I'm very concerned about their depth because right now they have two roster spots in Oladipo and Udonis that are basically empties, right? Like th- those guys aren't going to play. Um, for all the gymnastics that they go through to, to acquire Kyle Lowry, you know, I think he's an upgrade over Dragic in terms of what the Heat specifically needed. Sure. But you basically are swapping Dragic for Lowry, which is a little bit of an upgrade. I get that, um, although some people may even argue against it. Wow. But then, but then not no, so much that it's a downgrade, but maybe it's closer to a wash than I think some people would say. Really? Um, and then you just look elsewhere up and down the team. You lose none who at least, like I said, soaked up minutes for you for all the criticism he got. He had important stretches last year where he kept the team alive with his scoring. Uh, it's just so much he, more fun to bag on, on none after just being the, mostly the a score. Yes. Yeah, yes. I mean, and, and then, of course, yeah, you're right. Lakers fans going, no, no, he's going to be the savior for our defense. And everybody from Heat Nation going, nah, I'm not so sure about that. That's not quite what he's known for here in, in Miami. Um, well, let's put a pin on this talk because we'll save that for the next time. I want to talk a little bit more about Victor Oladipo and the rest of the bench. You're listening to Rowan Nod Carney on Locked on Heat. For a few weeks now, we've been talking about sweat block, those wipes that stop sweat for up to seven days. It seems like people have been listening. We have friends of Locked On who have tried Sweatblock and love it. I've told you about a, a friend of mine. Teacher went out, uh, you know, sometimes he had a little profuse sweating and he'd have to start changing shirts. He didn't really like it. Felt, uh, you know, he didn't really want to necessarily deal with that kind of pressure. But now he's using Sweatblock. He's got renewed confidence. No more having to change shirts in the middle of the day. It's such a success story. And it will be for you too. 
Stop excessive sweat for up to seven days per use. Doctor created, doctor recommended. It's incredibly highly rated over at Amazon.com. You can find it at CVS or you can go to sweatblock.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off. Again, you can find it over at Amazon or at CVS or you can go to sweatblock.com and get it for 20% off today using the promo code LOCKEDON. Back with Rowan now, Carnegie Sports Illustrated. We were talking about Kendrick Nunn and his departure and some concerns about Miami's depth. It feels like that's a, a recurring theme of the podcast. I, I'm starting to become a little bit more of a believer, mostly because I do think Struess can be that guy to complement what the starters can do. I think he, I think Spo is going to be tasked with a bigger challenge this year, maybe than he has been because he has to rotate players much more strategically in a way that maybe we haven't seen from him in some time, specifically because you've got older players like Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler, who you don't want to continue to task. And PJ Tucker, as you said, Marquise Morris being what he is, he's older as well, but you're not too concerned about as many minutes as he's going to get, because he's probably not going to play all that much as you pointed out before the break. So I I'm wondering, you know, I think Struess can come in here and play a lot of those minutes. He's a great floor spacer. I think he's going to be a consistent score. I think he just he seems like he brings something else to the table maybe than what Kendrick did. And not necessarily a knock on Kendrick, but you know, none was great from an offensive standpoint in that he could mostly create his own shot. And yes, he shot very well from the perimeter, but there was kind of a limitation to his game. Other than that, there wasn't you weren't getting anything defensively. He wasn't going to make plays for others. There were some moments throughout the season where he was making those plays for others, but by and large, it just wasn't a strength of his game. And I think Struce can certainly bring a little bit more of that. I also think Victor Oladipo can bring some of that, but we'll talk about deeper in a second. So you don't, you don't believe in Struce, as, as you said before, you didn't it's watch him that, in summer league. It's not that I don't believe in Struce, only that he just, he hasn't proven it yet. Right. He has to prove that's fair. That he can stay on the floor consistently. And they believe just, in him. They believe in him. And, and they certainly do it. And, and yeah. listen, they, they've been right generally about these development guys. I think they also have higher hopes for KZ. Oh. It just is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they like I said, you know, they're asking a lot for Struess to step in. I mean, he he might be Jimmy Butler's backup this season. I, that's yes. what we're talking about. You look at their depth chart. I don't think you can play Hero as your backup ball handler after how poorly that went last season and how much it maybe shook his confidence. So I mean, you're looking at Vincent Hero. I mean, if you're just going kind of the second stringers here, Vincent Hero, Struess Okpala, and then you know Marquise and Deadman. I wouldn't count KZ as part of the rotation. Right. Then you don't count KZ. So now Marquise, your backup four. We talked about how that's an awkward fit. Uh, I mean, do we like the him and Deadman front court? No, we do uh, not. If, if Hero is having to carry these lineups, I mean, I'm sure Spo is going to do his best to stagger these groups. But yeah, uh, you know, Hero and Struess, it's a lot of pressure on them to carry the scoring. <clears throat> Excuse me, in these second units. So I, I'm not saying Struess can do it. Can't do it rather, right? Only that he hasn't proven it yet, and you know, that's a big question mark. He's gonna have to hold up defensively. I think he's at least the right frame to hold up, uh, defensively in a, in a team defense concept, etc. It's just a big ask, man. I, I look at their, their depth is razor thin because I think you look at the bench guys you can count on, you can count on Hero. You know, you're not gonna need too much from Deadman. You know, Bam's mm -hmm. gonna be in foul trouble some nights, but whatever. You know, Deadman, but is gonna play 14 to 16 minutes a night. And then who do you count on? Do you count on Struess? Do you count on Opala? Do you count on Markeith? Uh, Maybe, maybe, but they're not sure things. 
Yeah, that's fair. I, I mean, without a doubt, I, I have concerns too. I maybe I'm hoping that Vincent steps up. I'm hoping that uh, that Struess can play a, a bigger role and live up to those expectations because I just I don't see much coming out of KZ. I just had Giancarlo Navas on the show a couple of days ago. We were talking about Dwayne Dedman, somebody I've been kind of a little low on and his rationale as well. I mean, you're, you're not asking too much of him. And then those minutes he does play, he does his job. And and maybe that's all you need necessarily. Uh, Dedman is, is a perfect marriage of role and player, right? Because you have a star and young star and bam, who should be playing 34, 35 minutes a night on most right. nights, barring, foul trouble as i mentioned so you know deadman's just got to give you if deadman gives you 14 solid minutes and all he has to do is set screens and protect the rim that's a roll to the rim yeah yeah catch roll to the rim yes exactly so you know he you don't need a ton from him can he give you seven minutes a half where you're not getting killed yeah i think he can all right uh then as you mentioned victor oladipo probably the biggest question mark here and uh, my former co-host, Wes Goldberg, had a chance to ask Pat Riley during his press conference earlier on Tuesday about, you know, Oladipo's return and how soon do you start judging this roster uh, and whether or not you have you make the determination about having to make a move. And I think that was a great question because the reality is, I think a lot of Heat fans, myself maybe even included, are kind of waiting for Victor Oladipo to see what we're getting out of him and then... The expectation is, you know, obviously that he's not going to come back anywhere near 100%, but that he'll come, you know, 75, 80%, whatever that might translate into, into a serviceable player that can provide a modicum of defense, some shot creation and floor spacing, et cetera. And if that's the case, then all of a sudden the team's ceiling, I think, is viewed largely as a, a you know, market improvement. But can you afford to wait until Oladipo returns to see what you're getting out of him? Can you continue to count on him? for the bulk of the regular season and the postseason, especially after he only played four games last year. I mean, I know everybody's nobody wants to wish injury on him, but you've got this team assembled to build, to win a championship. You made a, a win now move and building this roster the way you have. And now all of a sudden you're counting on Oladipo. That's a, that's a pretty big risk, especially if you're waiting to pull the trigger on making any other roster changes or fielding a trade or you've got this. 50, yeah, go ahead. We can talk about it, Dave. They don't have a choice. That's a thing. They don't have a choice. They want to avoid the luxury tax. I mean, they're keeping a roster spot open for most of the season. They won't sign a guy until later in the year so they can avoid the tax. Uh, they're hard cap because of the Kyle Lowry trade anyway. Uh, we can talk about, you know, upgrades, et cetera, but they don't have a choice uh, because of, you know, you could say they have a choice about dipping into the tax, et cetera. They didn't use up all their exception money. So that's yeah. a little bit uh, wrong, I should say, because they do have a choice. But for, if you're at the end of the day, if they're trying to avoid the tax, I think, frankly, that says something about how ownership feels about their title odds. I do think that they're going to push the chips in if they, if they see an obvious move out there, uh, something that can get them over the top. But right now, I mean, Frankly, banking on Oladipo is their best bet because I don't know that there's going to be a magical trade out there. They don't have a ton of assets at this point. Mm -hmm. They're not trading Lowry or Jimmy. So nope. are you going to trade Duncan? Are you going to trade Tyler? <laughs> Probably not unless there's a star out there right. and their depth's already razor thin. So as much as this, can you afford to wait for Oladipo? There are no other options unless they're willing to dip into the tax, which they're not. And I think Having said that, if you get back 75% of all-star Oladipo, that should be enough for this team. They're not going to ask him to do any heavy lifting, particularly offensively with Jimmy, Bam, Lowry, and Duncan on the floor. That's going to kind of be the engine of what you want to do. But if they can get 
a three and D version of Oladipo or, or coming off the bench with hero, that backcourt gives them someone to handle instead of Gabe Vincent. If he can become your backup point guard, that's a huge win for them. That's a gigantic, massive win for them. Yeah. If he's someone who can stay on the floor in the playoffs, you don't need him to run pick and rolls, uh, be top of the floor, Victor Oladipo that he was in Indiana. But if he's someone who can stay on the floor as opposed to say Kendrick Nunn or even yeah. what, you know, hero, the way he was being attacked in that Milwaukee series, right. he's a massive swing piece for them. But I mean, frankly, a large part of it is their decision to avoid the tax. They don't really have any other options here. Can, do you even feel comfortable like predicting what could happen with, with Oladipo? Cause I mean, I kind of want to go on on a limb here and I was curious to hear what your thoughts are because I mean, we, we have so little to go on and we keep going back and forth with him over the last few years of injury, I mean, like seasons for what it's worth. The lineup stats with him were great last year yes. when he played. Yes. And so if he can even just come back to what he was last season, what he showed briefly when uh, I guess he was playing hurt. Yeah. That's great. I mean, that's what they should aim for. I, I, it's hard for me to imagine more than what he gave them last season or predict anymore because it's been right now a very, very long time since he's played NBA basketball consistently. Obviously, we'd, we'd love to see him healthy, not just selfishly as, as people who, who follow the Heat, but just for his career. It would be great to see him get back on the floor, bet on himself, and get a big contract this summer. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, even if he can give them what he gave them briefly last season, I mean, the, the stats with him on the floor were great. Now you mentioned the the possibility of adding another player or anything like that. And today's the athletic column from David Aldridge. He was asked to make some predictions, I guess, about John Wall and his future with the team. And he predicted that John Wall would end up with the Miami Heat because he has a home here, because Miami's reputation for rehabilitating players' careers and things of that sort. What do you think of the possibility of adding John Wall? I, you know, to say nothing about it, I don't know anything about David Aldridge's reporting or if that was a prediction or whatever. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. All I'll say is I don't really personally like the fit. I, I right. don't think that he is what they need. Granted, uh, some of that is kind of dependent on what they do end up getting from Oladipo because they, I do think they're going to need some backup guard depth depending on what happens with Gabe Vincent. But I still look at this team and I think they need one more player on the wing because in a playoff series, I think Tucker – We'll have moments, but I think they're going to need a backup four. They're going to need another backup three, someone who can soak up minutes if Jimmy gets hurt or if Jimmy's in foul trouble, et cetera. You mentioned that you don't think the organization are – I shouldn't say the organization, but right now it doesn't appear that there's a ton of faith in Opala. So yeah. if that's the case, I think they're going to need more help in that spot uh, than they do at guard, even though they're, they're question marks at guard too, to be frank. So, you know – they're going to need help, and I, I think they're going to need, uh, you know, it's going to be dependent on Oladipo, not to say everything comes back to him, but if, he, if he's giving you something that allows you to go elsewhere with that last roster spot. If you're looking for a special treat, you don't necessarily know what to indulge in, then let me tell you, Built Bar is the one for you. 100% covered in chocolate, soft and easy to chew, nine delicious flavors you can't go wrong, whether it's coconut, raspberry, salted caramel, my personal favorite, cookies and cream. You can get them all in a mixed box. You can just buy a box of those individual flavors if you prefer. You can't go wrong with Built Bar, let me tell you, and you can give them away to friends, family, coworkers, whoever you have in your life that you want to share the joy of Built Bar then you'll be able to do so because they're just a great gift, especially when we're approaching the holidays now. And they're a good indulgent treat. You know, you want to fa- you're going to eat a lot of sweets over the next few months. But if you want to indulge in something and try to avoid temptation, then Built Bar is a way for you. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15. You get 15% off your order. Again, use that promo code LOCK15 
for 15% off, but only at built.com. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive that bonus from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet in all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. And don't forget to use that promo code locked on. As a reminder, you can always reach me via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show and leave a review as always. I'm here with Rowan Nodkerney of Sports Illustrated. We're talking a little bit about Miami's depth uh, with the season starting in just over 24 hours or so. It's a good time to kind of go into some of the issues that we expect Miami to be facing, especially early on. They've got a killer schedule, Rowan. I don't know if you've seen exactly how that plays out because, you know, it's kind of hard to predict exactly how, uh, you know, especially with COVID-19 issues and things of that sort, we could see a team that looks on paper to be a very strong contender. And then of course they could be attacked by COVID and have a couple of players missed out and things of that sort. We don't want that to be the case, but unfortunately it is just a reality. We see it with Boston right now where uh, a couple of their key players are missing time uh, due to uh, health and safety protocols. But you look at this schedule early on, it does not look very friendly. Miami goes on a quite a long road trip. They're facing some of the top contenders in the Western Conference during that trip. Uh, even throughout the first couple of months of the season, it looks like a lot of their a lot of their games are actually on the road. How important is it for them to get off to a good start? Because I don't. It's going to be a tough challenge for this team, and I know they like building that rep, relying on that reputation rather of being the road warriors and things of that sort, but. As you're trying to get this team to coalesce into something which we have not seen before, because this is such a new unit, all of a sudden you're going into and facing the Lakers and the Warriors, the Jazz, et cetera, on the road. I mean, that's a hell of a challenge. Do you think Miami can survive that stretch over the next couple of months? Listen, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. They're going to need their health. Like I, could we talk about the depth at nauseum yeah. now? They're going to need their health. And beyond that, uh, you know, something I've talked about with my colleagues it feels like almost every single team in the Eastern conference got better. I mean, this is a heat team uh, that finished. What was it? Sixth or yes. uh, during the regular season, they finished sixth. The bucks were third in the conference. Yeah. It was Philly, Brooklyn, right. Then Milwaukee. Yeah. So, I mean, you look at the East, the Knicks, you could argue improved this summer or at least didn't get worse. The bulls got a lot better. The Hornets people expect to be better. Uh, the Celtics, I think are going to be better than they were last year. Hmm. Uh, this is a conference that I think is, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. And I think it's hugely important for them to get off to that big start because I, I, there are teams that are going to try harder in the regular season than the heat. I mean, they have all these veterans between Lowry, Butler, Tucker, uh, you know, there's some old heads on the roster that, you know, they're not going to go as hard as the RJ Barrett's of the world, the LaMelo, the LaMelo balls of the world, the Zach Levine's of the world. They're going to be some really hungry teams in the East this year. And I think it's hugely important. I mean, listen, it's important for every single team to get off to a good start. I'm not suggesting that any team can start off 500, but just well, the way the East is structured this year, I think it's, I mean, 
yeah, they if they have the, a slide, I mean, the plan's not a, not impossible. Yeah, no, I know. I, I'm I'm saying maybe maybe the question then is how likely can this team continue to build towards those positive trends that Eric Spolster always talks about. Spo, such a huge fan of saying, you know, that regular season means something, but at the end of the season, and we've seen historically that Spo always gets the most out of his teams in the second half of the year. How likely can this team, as it's currently constructed with older players, again, not counting with injury that's always unpredictable, how likely can this team start to slowly build, especially with the newness of the roster, counting on Victor Oladipo, counting on these other players that have never had a role? You can see that they'll likely improve, especially the younger players or the guys that are somewhat inexperienced. But when you count in also the the, the counterbalance to that is you have older players, some who might you know kind of take their foot off the gas during a, a late game in March or April when it really doesn't matter, especially if you're going into the playoffs and knowing what that challenge is. Do you see this team trying to put more of their eggs in that basket in early on in the season rather than later in the season, despite what Spo has done historically? I don't know. I don't know. But at the end of the day, I just think this is a, this is a team built for playoff basketball. But the reality of the NBA is the regular season is one sport the playoffs are a different sport and like the last two minutes of a playoff game or a third sport. And I think the heat are built for the playoffs and to a degree built for the last few minutes of a playoff game. Okay. But why, why can, can you explain that a little bit, please for my listeners? Because, you know, I think they have seven guys right now who they really trust on the floor. Yes. Um, and that lends itself well in the playoffs and you can play people more minutes when the strategy is fine tuned toward an opponent. Um, you know, they, they have more fixes uh, in the playoffs, as crazy as it sounds, because they have a veteran team. They can play their best guys more. And Spo can kind of really adjust game to game, depending on what he has. You know, they'll probably have a buyout guy by then, et cetera. Um, yeah. And they're, they're just not a regular season team because I, I don't know where all these bench minutes are coming from. I just don't have a lot of faith in those guys right now. Um, you know, Jimmy Butler, I'm not ever going to question how hard he plays. Same for a guy like Kyle Lowry, but, you know, historically, I just don't know that you can count on those guys. Same for even PJ Tucker at this one, his career to play 82 games. And it's going to be a, a difficult situation for Spo to kind of manage all of that with such a veteran team. I believe the heat are second or they're one of the teams that are highest in average age. So I, I even if they need to get off to a hot start or well, Spoh it's probably typically skewed better, a little bit by Udonis on the roster. For sure. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, I just think that um, it's going to be delicate. I, I think that they're just much better built for the postseason than the regular season. I, I've kind of hinted at this over the last couple of weeks and months as we keep talking about the, this team. And, you know, I, I think I got carried away a little bit in the, <laughs> the hysteria of adding Kyle Lowry because he is such an accomplished player because he was the best player available in free agency. And this is how this team has always historically been rebuilt is by adding superstars, even if they're at the tail end of their career. And I think Kyle... We've seen what he can do in the preseason. I know you didn't watch it, but just, I mean, go back and can't, if you can, and watch some of those early minutes uh, when he's playing alongside Bam because there's a chemistry there already. And yes, I understand preseason basketball, you're facing half a roster on the other end. Who knows who's sitting out for whatever reasons. And it's also the preseason when and nobody really cares. But I think it shows what this team is capable of. Even Pat Riley said it today in his presser. This team is a contender, and that's without adding any player down the road. He thinks he believes in this team, and I don't think he would necessarily say that. I don't think Pat would necessarily say that. I think 
you know, Spo would always talk about, I like this grit. I like this tenacity from this team, et cetera. But for Riley to go out on a ledge and say he believes in this roster as a contender, I think that speaks volumes. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I, I, you know, I understand that there are concerns with this team. I'm very curious to see how it plays out. I, I don't want to get caught up too much in whether or not they lose a bunch of games early on, because as you said, the regular season is a very different animal, very different sport altogether. And I think that this team can find a way to knock off the teams like Brooklyn and Milwaukee at the top of the Eastern Conference. Are you a believer in their ability to challenge those two top teams? Because I, I think it's pretty clear that those are the top, the, the cream of the crop in the Eastern Conference. Do you like Miami's chances against either of those? I think they put, they'll put up a fight against any team in the playoffs, a better fight than they put up last season. I still think they're a move away or an Oladipo away from me taking them a little bit more seriously. If they get something from Oladipo, I like their chances a little bit more. But right now, when I look at the team, it just comes down to who are the two-way guys that they have in the playoffs. I mean, someone we have not talked about at all yet on this podcast, somehow shockingly is Bam Adebayo. Well, I can did Bam... want to save that for you, but yeah. Right. So, okay. So we can save Bam for the end, but right now I still think they might be one two-way guy, a guy who can stay on the floor in the playoffs short of true contention. And even that contention would require pulling off um, a pretty big upset. Have you got a name in mind? Because you've been pretty, you were beating that PJ Tucker drum pretty loudly for a, a few, uh, well, months, I guess, before the acquisition by Milwaukee. I remember talking to you about their new resolution and what Miami could do to improve their chances. And you were like, PJ Tucker, baby, he was the answer for Miami. And it didn't <laughs> quite work out that way. But now he's back. He's with the team. Um, is there a name there that you see being a nice fit in what Miami can do? You know, let's see how the season shakes out, which buyout guys become available. I mean, the type of play I'm thinking, you know, Otto Porter went to Golden State yep. on the minimum. I mean, obviously they had Jay Crowder here, but just someone in that mold. I mean, obviously every team in the NBA wants more of those guys. Yeah. Um, that's the popular price. So who can they kind of get, you know, somehow at a bargain, who might get bought out, et cetera. I'm just going to throw this out there just to – raise eyebrows i mean does someone like kevin love become available slash affordable at some point what could he do on this team do you think um, he still has something to bring because i think so but a lot of people i think he's got to have something left in the tank and again it's all about uh, you know we, we thought blake griffin had nothing right. left and then he found motivation the, yeah what's the, what's and, the, and the yeah. perfect role they found him in the perfect role right so right. if you can get someone like him and not ask him to do too much that changes you know patty mills is a lot better player on the nets than he is on the heat yeah. <laughs> um, so it, you need to find, you know, that kind of player who you're putting in the right, right position, right role to succeed. Yeah. I, I love, I, I think the Kevin Love edition, again, if you're talking about what Spo has referred to throughout all the preseason, the high IQ group, championship experience, tenacity and things of that sort. Well, maybe not tenacious. He's not known for his tenacious defense, but he's an accomplished veteran. He's an Olympian. He's a world champion with the Cleveland Cavaliers and he has, perhaps a borderline hall of fame career. Uh, and I think that those kind of players, again, looking for something to prove he's made enough money with Cleveland, who knows whatever that buyout amount would be. But the fact that he's played alongside Jimmy and Kyle, both when they won a gold medal, what was it in 2016? I, I mean, that, it kind of speaks like it, it screams like a, a perfect fit here in Miami. Anyway, at least can you imagine outlet passes from both Kyle Lowry and Kevin Love in one game and Bam at a bio racing down the floor. Uh, that's just uh that's an exciting possibility there, but let's talk a little bit about Bam. Your pick for Defensive Player of the Year, Pat Riley today spoke about him 
in his press conference and, and said that he is poised to become a, a scorer, that he thinks he's going to be a great scorer this year. Bam has been pretty consistent in saying that he's going to be shooting the ball more, and we've seen it. We've seen it during the regular season. I know you haven't seen it, and I know that a lot of people are kind of dismissing because it's the regular season, but from what I've seen from Bam, maybe the shot isn't necessarily falling from 18 to 24 feet or anything like that, but he has been more aggressive. He's looking to take those shots. When he has a little bit of space, He's not as hesitant as he has been in the past, and I think we're starting to see that evolution from him. How good can Bam Adebayo be, Rowan? I mean, Spose said it himself, right? There's no ceiling on how great he can be. I'm, I'm in the same boat with him. You know, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it to an extent. Obviously, yeah. there's some tape there that he can be a great mid-range shooter, but it, it really does come down to aggression, and uh, I think he's shown flashes of it. I, I like that he, he came in a little bigger this year. He looked really skinny at times last year. Um, and so it looked like, you know, he just like he was losing so much weight mm-hmm. during the season. It almost felt like, so I, they need him to be a scorer. Let me put it that way. They need him to be a scorer because I mentioned they need more two-way guys in a playoff series. Bam was not, not giving them anything, was not giving them enough offensively against Milwaukee point blank. Him and Jimmy didn't get the job done on that end of the floor. Um, Jimmy, is doing so much that bam needs to be more aggressive. They need it because we saw what happened when he's not being aggressive, when he's not looking for a shot in a playoff series, they become easy to defend. Okay. So they, they need it. And I, 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 we need to see it from him night in and night out that he's going to be committed to looking for his own shot. Do you feel comfortable making a, a prediction on the season's record? I know it's kind of, that's weak a little bit, but I'm curious. I to think hear your thoughts. under 50 wins under 50 wins. Okay. Okay. That's, that's a prediction like, I'll give. No, that's fair. I, I just, to me, a lot of Heat fans seem to be encouraged. I, I mean, I just mentioned it via Twitter right now that a lot of people are kind of looking at this team and saying, oh, they're maybe a 43-win team, maybe a 45-win team at most. And then you have the other end of the spectrum from Heat fans going, no, no, clearly 50 wins. And I'm just not sure where I am in that, uh, in that spectrum because there's a lot of arguments on both sides that I can see myself believing but if, yeah, under 50 wins seems pretty realistic to me. 40, 48-ish, 49-ish maybe yeah. around there. I'll, I'll say 46 just for a number. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No, that's that's you know, that's probably on the upper end of that spectrum too. So it's, it's curious here. Uh, last question before I, I get into some more food-related talk, as we always do here on Lockdown Heat. Uh, are they closer to being a contender or a pretender? Because that's my big question for this upcoming season. Listen, a year ago, they were in the finals. I'll give them closer to contender for sure. Um, only because the Nets, if Kyrie does in fact never come back, the gap is smaller. They're still behind the Bucks and Nets. They might even be behind the Hawks and Sixers to be perfectly honest, but yeah. the field feels wide open this year. They can make a move. Oladipo can give them something. Bam can take another leap. So I'll give them closer to contender for now. Man, what is going on in Philadelphia? Are, are you like frustrated, as frustrated as I am now, or are you enjoying just, the drama? It's just, it's just bleak. It's just bleak. It um, is, right? And I'm at the point where I just hope Simmons finds some kind of situation because this is not something that should be happening to a talent like him in his career. It's, it's unprofessional what he's done today, certainly getting kicked out of practice. Um, I'm not going to excuse that. And I'm also at the point where, yeah, I want to see Joel Embiid, an MVP-level talent, someone who can be the best basketball player in the world on any given night. Um, the Sixers at this point owe it to him to put the right team around him. And they just need to cut their losses. At right. Like I, I made this argument in last, uh, last day, you know, yesterday's uh, locked on NBA. It's like, 
you're playing this game of chicken and what's the end result here you're not going to get a better version of ben simmons this way yeah you're torturing the kid by keeping him on the roster it's not going to work out for you and i understand that you only want to trade him for dame lillard doesn't look like dame's looking for a change anytime soon i don't know who else you're going to get that's available at this point in time so hanging on to a disgruntled version of your all nba defensive player and an all-star doesn't seem like the right option here because he can still bring something to this table. I, I don't think you're a better team without Ben Simmons for all of his faults, and they're pretty well documented. I, I just this just doesn't seem like the right way to do things. So I wonder, you know, Doc's Doc Rivers, I like him personally, always enjoy talking to him, but he just seems to thrive in these kinds of really bleak situations, as you mentioned. And and I think Daryl Morey is not helping his cause any here. But anyway, that's enough Sixers talk. I know a lot of people are listening saying, I couldn't care less. More tears. I, I need that kind of uh, salt in my life. So I, I can understand that. But let's talk a little bit, speaking of salt, about food options. I wanted to ask you a question that I've been thinking about. talked about it before we started recording. If you wanted to win a national championship here in Miami, what ubiquitous restaurant would you go to? What restaurant that is so Miami would you have to go to? Because we see... Candace Parker going to Portillo's in Chicago. We saw Giannis going to Chick-fil-A, not necessarily indicative of Milwaukee or anything like that, but a good, you know, a good source of food if you're into that sort of thing. Do you like Chick-fil-A? I, I don't think I've ever gotten your takes on Chick-fil-A. Uh, obviously, their their food is tasty, but the politics leave a lot to be desired. So, okay. uh, yeah. yeah, those are my is there, is there a L.A. version of something that's equivalent there? I've seen lots of pictures of like places in L.A. that have – a great national hot chicken. And yeah, there's tons of hot chicken. I mean, I guess In-N-Out is probably like the Portillo's equivalent if you were okay. looking for something like that. Yeah. Like if I just won a championship, I'd probably go to Publix. I mean, but if you're in Miami, you could also go to like Prime 112. I don't know. You got options, Dave. Yeah, no, no that's fair. I, I was thinking about it myself. I asked my wife who is more of a foodie than I'll ever be. And, and I think when it comes to Miami, you probably have to go to a place like Versailles. I don't know if you've even been there or, I mean, I have been to Versailles. Versailles is very good. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I think off of eighth street, the idea that everybody would kind of gather there to watch you, you know, celebrate your championship with, I don't know. What, what is your go-to Cuban order? I'm curious. I mean, you can never go wrong with the Medianoche. Um, <laughs> Medianoche. You know, yeah. Classic. You know, it's some, uh, plantain chips on the side, some croquetas <laughs> to start the meal with, and some kind of milkshake. Yeah, you really can't go wrong. All right, yeah, because there's another place here that's known for their croquetas, the best croquetas in all of Miami. It's called Isla Canarias. Got to go check it out. Free advertising for them. But uh, anyway, yeah, I think that's a great option there. My personal pick would be Casola's Pizza over on 17th Avenue in US 1. Always great to go grab a slice there. They're huge, they're cheap. Cash only, though, but I think that's the right place. And you can go on US1, start your own block party there, celebrate pizzas on the house. I'd love to see that party taking place there. That would be great. But also, another segment that we're fond of here at Lockdown Heat, Rowan's Recipes. You're always one to bring some culinary takes here. I'm curious, do you have anything new to share with my listeners? I'm just going to offer a really simple one because I know it's fall. Temps are dropping all over the country. Not, not in Miami, Make, bro. Not, not in Miami, Miami perhaps. But make your own soup at home. It's very simple. You can buy some uh, pre-made stock at the grocery store. Um, you know, jazz it up a little bit, perhaps. You know, simmer that pre-made stock, maybe with some garlic, maybe with some ginger, maybe with some scallions. That'll get you in more of an East Asian direction. You could always go classic and European with carrots, onion, celery, etc. You know, just find some aromatics to simmer your stock with. Strain out those aromatics, and now you can have fun. Add some pasta add some meat you could do what i'm doing tonight adding frozen dumplings and scallions to this mm. 
boom, you got yourself a quick wonton soup. So big soup fan, a lot easier to make at home than people realize. You don't have to rely on canned stuff. No disrespect to canned stuff. I love a good pre-made soup, but really, (laughs) really easy to to, uh, take it in your own direction at home too. So I would encourage people to do that. Yeah, good take. Uh, Do you like chilies? Are you a chili guy? I I do enjoy a good chili every now and then. Okay, yeah. I yeah. make a pretty good vegetarian chili, if I do say myself. I, I... I, you know, I believe you. I believe it. Excellent. Do you have a favorite yeah. soup that's your go-to? You know, I I wouldn't say I have a go-to. I'm a big ramen fan, but that's not something I eat at home. You get a okay. lot of great noodle soups options in Los Angeles. And frankly, I, I trust the pros more than myself. But I, I do like to make a, the frozen dumpling in... Uh, a broth that you've made with some ginger scallion and white pepper is a, a very easy at home option. Yeah. I was never a ramen guy until I went to Chicago to cover the all-star game and uh, brazing through uh, sub zero temperatures. I was like, you know what? I think a hot soup would be nice. And I went to the place right across the street from the hotel, went there twice actually, cause it was that good. And I really enjoyed it. So that was uh, I, I, I like the soup take it's, it might seem simple, but it's filling. It's a classic. You can't go wrong. Right. You really cannot. All right. Uh, please, as always, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Uh, if you've got anything that you want to plug, this is your best opportunity to do so. Oh man, not at all. Just, uh, you know, excited for the season, excited okay. for the season. Nothing that nothing in your on the works. I know no, no big interview with Dwayne Wade or anything like that. <laughs> nothing coming up. Just keep checking out SI.com. I'd appreciate it. Of course. It. Yeah, no, absolutely. You should be subscribed to all the great content over at Sports Illustrated, not just for Roan Nutcartney, because they also got this guy, Howard Beck and Michael Pina and uh, Chris Herring and a bunch of other great writers that are on there. Great content all across every sport. Uh, so definitely go and subscribe to that. Uh, it's a great source for everything you might need, basketball related, certainly. And Rowan, again, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. My pleasure. Special thanks to all of our sponsors for supporting the show. And thanks to all of you once again for taking the time to make Locked on Heat your first listen every day. This is David Ramil signing off for now. Um.